Hello and welcome to Family Renewal. I'm Israel Wayne, your host. We hope you'll stay with us for the next 30 minutes as we take a look at faith, family, and culture, all through the lenses of a biblical worldview. This program is a production of the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Family Renewal Podcast. I'm Israel Wayne. Hi, and I'm Brooke Wayne. Wanted to talk with you about the topic of history today. This is a topic we've had requested from some of our podcast listeners. They've wanted our input on the topic of how to teach history and how to understand history. This is, of course, a very thorny topic. It's one that's complicated. Uh, Historiography and the approach of how we understand history and how we study it is complicated. And so we want to discuss some of those nuances and some of those difficulties with you, and hopefully we can bring a bit of clarity to the subject and help us to be able to understand this topic a little bit better. Well, I've always enjoyed teaching history. I've always enjoyed history, and part of that goes back to, I'm sure, my homeschooling mother bringing history alive in a sense of taking me to uh, living museums, lots of museums, art. She was always enthusiastic about teaching history and um, you know, making food that went along with that era or talking about what happened in other parts of the world during the time of history we were especially studying. And so I've always kind of enjoyed that process of teaching history. I think some of the uh, difficulties and nuances that um, have emerged through what Israel's going to talk about and that he brought about in his book, Education, Does God Have an Opinion?, have been newer to me. And as I've gotten into teaching more middle school and then high school levels of uh, history, these things have kind of perplexed me, and I've started to really have to delve deep in and study this along with Israel. Very good. Well, one of the things we want to talk to uh, you about is the development of the thought process behind how to teach history, particularly going back to the modernist era and then into the postmodern era. Um, The modernist view of history was that uh, we needed to be scientific about it, we needed to be accurate about it, and that there could be neutrality, that what we wanted was just facts, and we wanted to be able to transmit accurately what happened in the past. One of the things that emerged from the Enlightenment into modernity was the emphasis of the exaltation of humankind, our human rationality, our reason, our intellect, our ability to create and to develop, um, the development of civilization. Uh, so you have a lot of emphasis on scientific advancement and, and invention and the progress of man. So I would define the modernist view of history as being very humanistic, that the focus is very much on humans and human achievement. And I think this goes back to what we've always heard of a lot of kids hating history because they're being forced down with lots of dates and names and not really understanding a lot of the why. That would kind of reflect a bit of the, the modern teaching methods. Yeah, sort of a clinical, stale, stagnant approach to understanding facts and dates kind of goes back to that uh, dichotomy that Francis Schaeffer talked about in his book Escape from Reason, where he described the analogy of a two-story house, and you have this uh, lower story that is made of facts, and then the upper story is made of values. 
and he was describing that shift that was taking place between the modernist era and the the postmodern era. Uh, in the modernist era, there was a strong emphasis on facts and uh, values, uh, things like morality and spirituality. Those things were seen more as subjective or superstitious and really should just be dismissed altogether. So the humanist, the modernist, sort of lives in the lower level of the house and never really goes to the upper level of the house or or maybe even denies the existence of the upper level of the house, that of values and morals and spirituality, the physical world being on the lower level, so to speak, and the, the metaphysical world being in the upper story. And there being this desire to keep those very separated. So tell me more about then the modern, uh, sorry, the postmodern history perspective that would have followed that. What years would that position have started? So what's interesting is the Enlightenment came after the time of the Protestant Reformation, started about the late 17th century, uh, predominantly in England and France, and then somewhat into Germany and the rest of Europe. Um, But the Enlightenment gave way to modernity, and every every sociologist or person who studies this will probably date it differently. I date the beginning of the modernist era as being 1859, and I think it was with the release of Charles Darwin's book on Origin of Species that Enlightenment thinkers finally had what they believe was the, the, the final nail in the coffin of theism that they finally had a rationalist explanation for the origin of hum- of biological life. And so they no longer believed that God was necessary. They believed that God was completely irrelevant to life and to reality. So the modernist era, in my view, is very similar to the Enlightenment in terms of the thought processes and the uh, philosophies that were being promoted by the Enlightenment thinkers. There's, there's not a lot of difference, basically moving towards empiricism and rationalism and naturalism. The the difference being that, I, I guess in my view, the whole view of humanism shifted from being a hypothesis to being a theory. You know, that, that kind of certainty that they had where they said, this is no longer a hypothesis, this is a theory. Um, we know almost definitively that God is dead and irrelevant. So really everything that we study, as we apply this to history, everything we study is just the exaltation of man. And and I would put the modernist era about 100 years, uh, from about 1859 to 1959. Somewhere around 1959, you start to see the emergence of the postmodern culture, particularly within uh, America. And uh, took a very different turn under postmodernity. I think with the postmodernity perspective on teaching history, there's some aspects I really appreciate about it versus the modern perspective, which was so rooted in just facts, knowledge, uh, dates, times, etc. Where the postmoderns brought in the teaching methods, brought in a um, let's consider this, let's think about the ideas represented behind. Uh, what happened in history, follow a thread of train of thought, of, of ideas and consequences that happened from those ideas. However, when I see how the modern, sorry, postmodern now world is teaching through a postmodern lens to look at history, they tend to um, pull out threads and agendas that they want to highlight. And so I look at that and go, wait, 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 uh, there's, there's other parts of history, there's other aspects 
of history. So modernity was focused on the objective. It was focused on, on facts and dates and promoted this concept of neutrality, that we need to be neutral and just just, just give the facts of what happened. Um, postmodernity recognizes, and I'm going to say properly, that neutrality is not a category that exists in the universe, that no one is completely neutral and that there are no f- neutral facts in the universe. Um, and so what they've done, though, is they've decided to embrace the concept of uh, subjectivity and to highlight and emphasize people groups, causes, movements, special interests that to them they deem to be important. And so now in study of history, and this happens in K-12, but I think even more so in higher education, um, history has really become more the study of special interest groups. And so you have feminist history and you have LGBT history uh, and you have ethnocentric history. And so we're now no longer focused on the really big movements uh, of civilization as would have been emphasized under modernism, where you'd look at great empires, for example, and you'd follow the, you know, the Persians and the Greeks and the Romans, and you know, then you'd move into the the Holy Roman Empire and the Byzantines, and you know, just whatever it was, some epic shift uh, in society and culture uh, focused on the big picture. Postmodernity would focus far more on the fact that there was some person that they would deem to be homosexual, whether or not he was a homosexual would be another topic. Right. But, you know, they go back into history and they try to impose a postmodern perspective on historical information. So perhaps rather than the modernists focusing on Alexander the Great uh, being a great conqueror and creating roads and infrastructure that was later used by the Romans and then developed uh, the modern world, they would focus more on the gender identity mm-hmm. of Alexander the Great and uh, fo- focus more on things that would be subjective and personal rather than objective and, and macro. More of a micro view than a macro view would more, be one more way More bringing up that. passions within a particular person or, or even Small a particular people group. smaller people group or even a scattered group, but... Um, having more of their personal interests be the the flaming target. And I know that's true with Alexander the Great. He had a lot of ego that drove his conquered. Well, I think within uh, postmodern education, too, we, we see certain bills that have been introduced in California and other places where there is a requirement in government schools to teach LGBT interests in every subject at every grade level. Right. So if you're teaching second grade history, you're having to somehow talk about LGBT and you're also having to talk about uh, issues of feminism and, as I said, ethnocentric history and so forth. Um, maybe we should talk about the ethnocentric history for just a moment um, because, again, that's a bit of a controversial issue. Um, we have within public schools, we have Black History Month And we have other um, special interests, I guess, that are promoted. Um, I have mixed feelings about that. I really do because – and this leads a little bit to the next section of kind of what do we include in history and what do we leave out. Um, Because when you're teaching history, you can't teach everything. 
right. that there is to know about history. So I do think it's important for people who have um, an ethnicity uh, that is definable um, that, that they teach their children their history, where they came from, you know, where, where we came from uh, historically, our family groups and so forth. America, of course, being a great melting pot of many ethnicities, which I think is a wonderful thing. But um, there is a sense in which if I was an African-American individual, I would want my children to know black history. And so as a homeschooler, that would be something I would seek to uh, incorporate into my homeschool to teach my children, this is your heritage, Mm -hmm. this is your history, this is where you come from. Um, But like within government schools, it's interesting because you're going to leave ethnicities out. By definition, you have to. You can't possibly teach you mean you the teach history everyone? of every ethnic group equally. And so there will be some students who are marginalized and left out of the conversation. Um, th- there's Black History Month, which is you know perhaps a really good idea. Uh, but do they have Asian History Month? Uh, do they have Spanish History Month? Do they have German History Month? Do they have Irish History Month? Um, are all of the students that they are claiming to represent in the public being equally represented, or is there subtly a deeming that some ethnicities are superior to other ethnicities and need to be given uh, higher higher consideration <laughs> yeah. um, in, in the teaching of history with our tax dollars? It, this all goes back, every time I come to this subject, it, it all, in my mind, comes back to the fallacy of government education and the impossibility of neutrality in government education. I'm not opposed to these ethnicities being taught and their histories being focused on, but in my view, that's really a family thing. That's really something that a family has the opportunity to do, or maybe a small collection, a group of families who come together in a a co-op or a group that you you have shared history, uh, shared community, and you want to teach these things collectively, I guess it, when, when it comes to teaching these subjects historically with tax dollars, uh, that's when one group always gets promoted and another group gets marginalized. And I just don't see any way around that. You just don't have enough time to give equal time to every single person. And so some people get left out of that equation And I see that as being problematic within a government education paradigm. I talk about this a lot more in more detail in my book, Education, Does God Have an Opinion? I encourage you to check that out at our website, familyrenewal.org. And we want you to sign up on our email list so we can keep in touch with you and let you know when we're coming to your area to do an event. It's familyrenewal.org forward slash subscribe forward slash subscribe and we want to make sure that you also subscribe to this podcast if you haven't done so so that you'll get updates whenever we do a new episode you'll be alerted and you can listen in we thank you so much we appreciate your support of our ministry we hope you'll join us on facebook we have a couple pages Um, we have facebook.com forward slash family renewal and also forward slash israel wayne author i am on twitter at israel wayne And uh, we hope that you will continue to uh, read and listen to the materials that we have because we think they'll be of benefit to you. If you haven't done so, one more thing comes to my mind is uh, go to our website, to our blog page, 
which is familyrenewal.org forward slash blog. I don't think I've mentioned that before on the podcast, but we do have a blog and we write articles on there and they're all free. So please uh, check that out. Till next time, thank you for listening. Goodbye. Thank you for listening to this audio presentation. For more information on Family Renewal, the writing and speaking ministry of Brooke and Israel Wayne, please visit familyrenewal.org.